0: Hey guys, absolutely delighted to be here with you again this morning. It's uh, Sunday morning, December the 3rd, and this is my kind of like weekly update that I put out to people in my community and kind of share on my social media, and I think today I'm going to be labeling this episode 16 because in my podcast, which is called The Million Dollar Scale Up, I've had previous episodes, and uh, this is probably going to go out as number 16, so if you are following along, you can keep track of what you have watched before, The the naming for today is going to be from the sunk cost fallacy to life after product market fit. So we're going to be talking about a number of things to do with that. Hopefully this runs no more than about 20 minutes, give you some inspiration hopefully for your week ahead and also give you an idea about what we've been doing here with the product which I put together which is called the R3 Framework and I'll tell you a little bit about that and yeah, my story basically, for those of you who don't know me, is after a 20-year kind of journey, starting up a, a managed service provider in New York City back in the early 2000s, which we then sold to a company, a public company that then got acquired by GoDaddy. So we built that company, it was highly scalable, We uh, it's just an incredible journey of actually building that at the very beginning of that sort of, you know, cloud hosting, a SaaS kind of uh, marketplace overall in the world which has now grown from that at that time they were literally in about four or five companies trying stuff out and that has grown obviously to a large community of something like 150,000 managed service providers around the world and, a, and an overall cloud hosting kind of market size of something like 300 billion dollars which apparently and I just read this morning is going to grow to something like two and a half trillion by the end of 2030 so even though that cloud market has grown so much in these over these years 15 20 years there is still massive upside and people should really be paying attention to that to both take advantage of it on the sales side but also in terms of you know end user companies as brands thinking about how you can adopt cloud how you can develop your digital kind of programs in a much better way let's get into this and the key thing that I want to start off with is I want to talk about a few things, including I wanted to mention, first of all, that I have now got a completely brand new stream cam. So here it is. I just installed this week. Uh, it's a Logitech stream cam. It, it looks quite small on here, but it's actually quite big and it's, it's quite like robust the way that I designed it. Um, so I'm quite excited to see what the result of that will be. So let's get going. The things I'm going to talk about just these four or five things are basically a, a summary of the topics that I cover in my short form videos which I put out daily Monday to Friday through Instagram, TikTok, I go out to Facebook, also LinkedIn and uh, Twitter, YouTube as well. So I post uh, short form videos which is like typically uh, a minute and a half although I'm going to try and shorten that even further now and, and these are kind of like, these are just like you know snackable content and if you want to go into a little bit more detail you can go into those particular videos. So the first thing is about sunk costs, and I think this is a really important topic because it is so easy to invest in something and then find that you need to put more money in, or more time in, more energy, more resources, and then there's a, there's a, so there's always this question: Should you do you put more in, or should you do something different? Should you maybe you know cut your losses? And so with sunk costs, is a really I think this is a very important thing for anyone building an online service of any sort because you can very quickly find that you put your kind of like money and effort into something, into a direction that doesn't quite work the way you expect. And so the question is, you know, when do you do that? I really just want to highlight this because it, is, it, is, it should be a constant reminder to you that actually separate your past investments in what you've done from what you now need to put in next. And, you know, one of the things, and I have made massive mistakes about this myself in my past the kind of mistakes that I rarely even want to admit to. And so this can lead you down a very dark path very quickly. And so you want to be really sure that you're making the right investment. So a couple of things here I think is really important. Number one, that you are getting help along the way because if you just focus on the thing, if you're just making decisions based on your own knowledge and perspectives and learning, you might find that you are constantly going into a direction which is going to take you further into something which is very difficult to get out of. And so at some point, you really need to have a few people around you that you trust enough to be able to share those parts of the journey, to be able to say, look, is this, you know, do we have a reality check here? Is this, a, is this the right thing to be doing? Should I take that and invest it somewhere else? Should I do something different with my time? You know, this is, these are very important decisions that you want to be really conscious of. In, in all cases, every single time you make another investment into something, even if it is, say, for example, you've launched something and now you're testing out a new model, like or you're trying to launch a webinar and you've got to you know, consider spending $10,000 on getting a whole program to help you with that. Or if it's a much bigger decision, like you've already invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into something and now you're in, thinking about investing another $50,000, another $100,000 to make it work. The same thing should always be true. The question is, you know, is that future vision aligned to your objectives? And are you just holding on to, are you just pinning your hopes on what you have, you know, on what you were already emotionally attached to and have invested in? Or are you taking a completely new objective decision about whether that is the right thing to do or not? So this is a very very important thing because... I think we've seen, we see, you know, all the, so many of the failures that I see in the marketplace, I'm sure, you know, many of those can be avoided because people have just gone too far, too long in the wrong direction and without the right help. You know, some things could be the right idea. It's just that you, you don't have the resources or you don't have the, all the puzzle pieces of the puzzle in place to make that work. And so therefore you go down this slightly dark alley. Second thing, last week, I really, you know, I wanted to mention the, uh, the mentor that I had in New York for a couple of years. Actually, I worked in, most of what I've done is in tech, but uh, for a couple of years, I actually worked in the fashion industry, helping uh, my co-founder for that particular company get launched. And uh, as a part of that, I was mentored by an 83-year-old lady whose name was Gloria, and she was phenomenal. She gave me so many insights into everything, basically, like the industry, life, management, you name it. She was just amazing. And I've had some terrible bosses in my past. One particular, my, my co-founder of my tech company was just the absolute, you know, just, just really hard to sort of like, you know, work with. But this lady was amazing. She was just like so clear about her things. She had learned so much in her 50-year kind of career. And one of the things she used to say to me a lot was, as far you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know that you don't know it. And so that is a really, that's like a resounding kind of like sentence statement, which really makes you realize some harsh truths about life, which is that you, you might be very experienced and educated, but you only know a certain amount. And actually, there's this kind of void that you don't know. There are things that you just don't know. And you don't even realize that you're missing that. And so clearly, there's a difference between somebody who It goes rapidly through to the top in whatever they're doing or launches a company and it works amazingly well. And there's another thing for someone to be struggling along and they're trying things and it's not quite working. And then it takes them several years to figure out that there was actually this missing piece or there were many missing pieces that they didn't have in place. So think about that statement. Think about the fact you don't know things, the fact that there are things you still need to learn to be able to get things working and the fact is you've probably got these like void empty spaces around your knowledge and so you want to be constantly learning constantly open to new learning about how things work to be able to really get to where you want to go to so those are the first couple of things we opened the week with and I think last week was actually very much a week of talking about like these little bit soft topics about like motivation or about how to make things work previous weeks so I've been a bit it's been a bit more like hard hard dollars type stuff and so another thing that I spoke about last week was it's very easy to catastrophize things you, know, you can always think oh, this is going to this this could go terribly wrong or uh, I'm going to miss out on something so you, you know you, so you sort of catastrophize things or you think what can go wrong with things and so one of the things I also want to say like on the flip side of other arguments is to say that you want to be thinking about how you can turn those what can go wrong into what can go wrong. it's not necessary that you jump ship or you stop going on that path just because you think there may be something at the end of that path which is not the not the kind of childhood dream that you had but it does not mean that you want to jump into something completely different or take radical changes to what you're doing because it may just be that you have you're just over that you're exaggerating in your mind what can go wrong with something and what you want to be doing is to think to yourself how can I be positive about that do I have the things in place which are going to give me the tools and pathway to that kind of like transformative journey let's call it in our work in our lives to success where you can think about Challenges as being opportunities for growth, right? These, all these kind of like good things that we read about on social media these days. But I just want to emphasize that. I want to kind of like reinforce that that these are really super important ways to think. Caveated, obviously, by what I first said in this, which is about not going, not not, uh, over investing into something which is a lost cause or that you've not, that is no longer aligned to your objectives. So you've got these kind of multiple parameters here. You always want to be aligned to your objectives but you also want to be sure that actually you haven't over catastrophized something to the point where you're you're stopping going down that path because you just don't, you know, you, you don't believe it maybe. So you want to be thinking, as one of my coaches used to say to me, actually used to say, what if it goes right? What if it works, right? What if it all works amazingly well? So you want to have this real conviction that you've got the right plan. You want to make sure you're still on, you're still true to your the overall objectives, you want to make sure you've got you know, the right pieces in place to make it work. So there are a lot of things here that can, there are variables in the whole mix, but you, you also don't want to lose sight of things to you know, for the wrong reasons. So I also talked about what I call the yes trap. And the fact is that this is especially for you guys that are more introverted, who are maybe more technical, maybe more detail-oriented, maybe more doers, delivery-like people. And I know that there's a large number of people out there because that, that has definitely been my pathway. Very detail-oriented, very like specific. And everything was, you know, any kind of like uh, notes or analysis that I would do was completely accurate, everything well thought through, well written up. And for me, that was just a standard because of the the early career companies that I worked for but I have noticed such a huge difference when you actually work with somebody who didn't go through that kind of training and see that they are like very shoot from the hip very you know, like all over the place and so they can be they can naturally become, they, they may naturally be or they can become as a result of that very extroverted very action-oriented but not very detail-oriented and so they rely on people who are de- detail-oriented to actually get that stuff done. But in doing so, what can happen is that you can fall into the yes trap. And the yes trap is where that extroverted believe or, or, or like the way people talk about things, it can be so goal-oriented and positive and kind of like, oh, let's go do this and, and accelerated that you end up just saying yes to it because it makes sense it makes like the whole thing makes yes we've got to go and do that yes we've got to go and do these things however what can happen in that process is that you actually lose sight of your own values and boundaries and so this is a really I think this is the key thing that I want to share with you guys who are a little bit more introverted and so on technical detail oriented that you want to be really sure about what your values and boundaries are Now, one of the things that I maybe really want to highlight here and maybe why this becomes very important if you are trying to start a company or you're trying to do something, let's say, entrepreneurial in that sense, rather than intrapreneurial within a large company, because when you are doing something out there in the field, when you're out there like taking risk of your own, it's very easy to lose sight of the of your boundaries and your values to the extent that you know, somebody can come along and they can they can hold up this like carrot of equity or this future potential of how big this could get and suddenly you're you're thinking that way but actually that's not a healthy way of thinking because it is very focused on those goals it's very it's distorting reality to a great degree because you're now bought into this future vision and you are the one that's the doer, and they are the one that's the talker, and this can be a misalignment, right? This can be a complete misalignment between your values and their values. Now, at the beginning, it might seem all hunky-dory, everything's fine, but after maybe a year or two, you suddenly realize that these people are just not, they're not pulling their own weight, they're actually just like relying on you for everything, and so you can really get out of sync. So, don't wanna go into too much more detail on that right now but I just want to give you this hint maybe like suggestion that you've got to be really careful of this kind of what I call the yes trap just like going along with things because it feels like a good idea or something but actually what's happening is that you are getting roped into something that you may not actually want to be for the long term and it could actually cause you quite a lot of uh, personal challenges in your life as a result so that's it. I wrapped up the week this week talking about life after product market fit because I think the previous week I did a video on product market fit just talking about the real key things to make sure you achieve product market fit. So in this video this week, I talked about what happens after, after product market fit, right? Because everyone talks about product market fit as being the, the, the goal, the, the big thing that you are, the, you know, what you're chasing in the future, you know, the end of the rainbow in a way, right? But actually, there is life after product market fit. And actually, in fact, that is when the real business starts because product market fit has got you to the point where people are buying your product, they're loving it, or at least in certain definitions, 40% of the customer base would be really unhappy if you took it away. And so you've got to this point where people are actually using the product, people are, people are you, you know, getting value from it and so on. And so then what happens? And so, by the way, that should also be a point where people start calling you. There are there's a a pull from the market. So people are actually demanding this product more than you trying to sell the product. So once you've got to that point, there's three things which are really important. One is economics. And this is in in this order. So you've got product market fit. Then you want to get into economics because you want to this is where the scaling piece comes in, where you want to tighten everything up to the point where the economics actually work across multiple channels. Then you want to get into growth, right? So that would be, so it'd be product market fit, then economics, then growth across different channels to actually make it work, to actually grow the business. And then finally, the last of those four would be defensibility. Because as you've grown the business, then you want to get to the point where you are introducing intellectual property uh, defenses, you're maybe putting in major partnerships into place, which is gonna give you defensibility. Uh, Maybe you're developing add-on products, which is gonna give you more defensibility. So you're gonna expand that way. So this is the kind of like sequence. And what I wanna, what I did say in that video, and I, I really believe is that I think a lot of people over like complicate this because people focus too, mainly because you're trying to do too many things at once. So you're trying to get the economics, you're trying to grow the business, you're trying to create defensibility or even before you've got to product market fit and so you're essentially doing things out of sequence so if you just focus on the these things in a logical order you're going to get there much faster and in a much stronger way so that was what I wanted to talk about there so hopefully this has been helpful just to give a few ideas and tips for your kind of week ahead Uh, things to think about. In terms of my own content, mentioned last week that my TikTok got a community guideline thing where it basically stopped the post in the video. And with TikTok, it's three posts that hit that uh, community guideline problem and you're out. So I just didn't post anymore. One actually got resolved. So there was actually two community guideline problems. So one actually got resolved. The other one is still sitting there. And it's kind of weird because you'd think that they would want to they would have systems and things in place to move things along pretty fast but actually they don't so it's one of these things where you you are just really subjected to like the whims of the of the platform people and so the reminder here is to make yourselves omnipresent right you want to be on all platforms i personally don't buy into certain people who say just be on one platform master one platform don't even look at other platforms because you, know, you never know what's going to happen you could be you could be, you could, the platform you're on could get blocked, or you could find yourself can't post for some reason, and uh, then you're really stuck. And in fact, uh, a couple of months ago, my Facebook got, Facebook account got hacked. It took me like over a month to actually get that back. So these are the kinds of things that can go wrong. So that's in terms of content. I'm also realised this week that I need to re, I need to dust off my old website, my WordPress website, because I think that's where I can post my long form content. So I'm going to start posting some long-form content onto that so this is just another consideration for you that your core site whatever you wherever your whatever your landing page is that takes people from from traffic to get into your funnel that is one thing but you also do need a site that you where you are posting content and posting to medium and other blog platforms is not necessarily the same thing because you're not in control of those blogs People can't see everything in one place very easily, so there is a there is still a reason why to have a website in today's market. That's it. Just as a reminder, so I mentioned it at the beginning, but essentially what I am doing here is that I have created a, a framework called the R3 framework, which was really a comprehensive kind of view of how to build a an operating company across all aspects of the business. And so this was quite an ambitious kind of like starting point. But I'm really glad that I went down that path for so many reasons. I am finding actually that this is now even more applicable to the managed service provider marketplace and also brands. So on one hand, you've got MSPs who are delivering services online. And on the other side, you have brands who are consuming these services. And so this framework fits in in terms of helping both sides be able to manage uh, services in a much better way. And then thirdly, my kind of in terms of my market, is startups and aspiring entrepreneurs because they can just learn from this framework and how it all kind of like fits together rather than starting from a blank sheet of paper and having to watch 100 different YouTube videos to try to pick stuff up because that is not gonna work very well. So that is really what I'm focused on here. If you are even thinking about launching some sort of service into the marketplace, as a brand or as a service provider then this will be a great thing for you to take a look at I'd love to share it with you share it with you and show it to you and and illustrate to you the value of utilizing a framework to start driving your business because I firmly believe that something that could take a couple of years could be done within six months if you've got the right framework so yeah that is the attraction so that's about it and finally my tools I mentioned a couple of tools that I use within what i'm doing i'm actually using a total of 30 different tools right now which is kind of crazy but they're all small online tools to do different things but i'm still very much positive about uh, one ai tool which i've found called hyper and you get quite a lot of free credits anyway you just need one credit a day for a short post or a short sort of short form video um, so you can test this out quite easily and uh second tool that i'm also continue to use actually i have used it considerably in the past and i'll continue to use it in fact i signed up for a an additional vault of things that they uh, include with it but it's a tool called vidalytics and for hosting online video there's a slightly the the way they operate is slightly different because what they've got there is for a video sales letter especially and they've got a a way that someone could watch a video to halfway and then Midway through the video is where they would ask for the email address. So it's actually quite a slick and powerful way to get people to opt in for, to consume that lead magnet or to be able to share that information. And secondly, actually, they have a very sophisticated kind of mechanism there where you can actually tag parts of the VSL. So say, for example, let's say the VSL is 20 minutes long, then, and at a certain point where you state the price of something, you could tag that. And you will, you can, and so within the videolytic system, they could actually fire off a tag to your email system saying that somebody has watched that amount of the video. And so this is quite useful because it means that your follow-up message to somebody can be based around the amount of video that they have actually watched, so you know where they've got to. And so obviously you wanna send them a different, different sort of message. If someone just started watching the video, 30 seconds of the video and then left you want to send them one type of message if they watched maybe three quarters of the video and they saw all the pricing and then left or you want to watch you want to send them something slightly different so it's quite a powerful tool i'm going to be using that over the coming weeks to relaunch my own video sales letter which is going to talk about r3 so that's it hopefully this is a little bit helpful for you and uh, you learned something today or got some suggestions for how to think about your coming weeks and hopefully see you again